Hey there, lovers. Today, Andy and I are so excited to introduce you to our friends, Ashley and Ricky, the hosts of Crime Salad. We've known these guys for a long time and have always loved how compassionate and thoughtful they are. By identifying patterns of violence and domestic abuse, they're trying to prevent future tragedies from happening. You're about to hear a preview of an episode of Crime Salad. While you're listening, be sure to subscribe to them via the link in the episode description and tune in every Wednesday for fresh new episodes. Sounds like it would make a pretty good double feature with a love murder episode. Welcome to the podcast, Crime Salad, where we talk true crime. I'm your host, Ashley, and with me always is my husband and partner in crime, Ricky. The purpose of this podcast is to honor the victims through ethical storytelling in the hopes of preventing future tragedies. We want our stories to resonate and educate others in hopes that some of these similar cases with identifiable patterns can be prevented. Now, before we jump in, please let us warn you that this is a true crime podcast. The details of this episode may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion advised. On Wednesday, January 3rd, 2023, a family of eight was reported shot to death in their home. It was reported on the local news as a murder-suicide. And for a few days, there were photos of the cheerful hate family, a prominent local family with a beautiful wife and charming-looking husband and smiling children who were all a part of a greater community of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Judging from the photos alone, they appeared to have it all. But the story behind the picture-perfect smiles hit a dark secret of child abuse, control, and intimate partner violence. The victims were Tasha Haight, 40 years old, Tasha's mother, Gail Earl, 78 years old, Macy Haight, 17 years old, Briley Haight, 12 years old, Sienna Haight, and her twin brother Emin Haight, both 7 years old, and finally, Gavin Haight, the youngest at just 4 years old. The heart-wrenching incident garnered national attention, prompting the Utah governor, Spencer Cox, to ask the public to keep the Enoch community in their prayers. He stated, quote, Our hearts go out to all of those affected by this senseless violence. And it was senseless, but it wasn't unpredictable. It was very predictable given all that we know as a society about family annihilators. Although the tragedy was shocking, in hindsight, the signs and red flags were unfortunately all too apparent. In 2020, at just 14 years old at the time, Macy called the police and told them that her father had choked her to the state of unconsciousness, and she was afraid that he was going to kill her. Her neck was covered in bruises. She told authorities that her father had assaulted her mother and siblings multiple times, But this close, tight-knit religious community, Michael was a respected elder, the patriarch of his family, and sold insurance to just about everyone in town. He knew the police officers who were investigating the allegations against him. They were all members of the same Mormon church. It was unthinkable to his community that Michael would do something so horrific. Even the mother, Tasha, at the time, asked that they be allowed to handle this privately as a family. And as a result, police closed out the files stating it was, quote, close to assaultive, but not over the line into criminal territory, end quote. 
in any other community and in any other police department, these credible claims would have been investigated and likely resulted in criminal charges. At the time, Michael was extremely angry how this may make him look. His public image was his main priority. It mattered that everyone saw him as a strong father, the head of the household, and a man of God. Perception was valued over the reality inside the hate family home. After this incident, he told his children they were terrible and disrespectful and lucky to have him. So it was no wonder that at the press conference following the killings that the city manager told reporters that the Enoch Police Department would rather not share details about the previous investigations into the family. According to the county attorney, their office declined to file charges in the 2020 incident because, quote, it was determined that there was insufficient evidence. On what planet is first-person victim witness testimony by a 14-year-old child considered insufficient evidence? How are bruises on a child's neck insufficient evidence? We will never have the answers to these pertinent questions. In the same press conference, the city manager stated that investigators conducted a lethality assessment and it was determined that Tasha was not in a deadly relationship. Yet all investigators know that choking and strangulation in the context of domestic violence or intimate partner abuse is always a predictor of a likelihood of a fatal outcome. Victims are 10 times more likely to be killed by their abuser if there is a history of choking or strangulation. After 20 years of marriage, Tasha filed for divorce on December 21, 2022. And along with the divorce petition, Tasha's attorney also filed for a domestic relations injunction, which prohibits any of the parties from engaging in harassing, intimidation, or domestic violence, or abuse against the other party or any of the children. Michael was served with the divorce petition two days after Christmas. And that day, he called Tasha and asked her how her day was going. This surprised her, and she asked him if he had been served with the divorce petition. He said yes, he had received some papers, and they could be a divorce petition. But he hadn't opened them yet. Then he told Tasha that he expected her to leave the home immediately and leave all of the children behind as he expected to have full custody. His calm and matter-of-fact demeanor alarmed Tasha, which prompted her to flee with the children to her mother's house. The next day, he went to her mother's home and demanded she come home and give their marriage another chance. When she refused, he tried to get her to go on a drive with him to discuss their marriage. Again, fearing retaliation, she refused. Tasha shared her fears with her family. A few days later, Tasha returned to the family home and brought her mother along with her to prevent Michael from becoming violent. The investigation officially began on January 4th, 2022, when police responded to a request for a welfare check for Tasha Haight. It was requested by her family, who were concerned because they hadn't heard from Tasha, or her mother, 78-year-old Gail Earl. All attempts to contact the family went unanswered, and the doors remained locked and the windows shut. While officers were trying to determine if anyone was home, another call came in from Michael's work. 
They too were requesting a welfare check on the family because Michael had failed to show up to work and had left some concerning personal documents out on his desk. They were allegedly the type of documents someone might need to collect on various financial and life insurance related policies. They also had discovered that several of the children enrolled in public school had unexcused absences. Given all of this information, the police decided to give the family a few more days as there is no law against a family going on vacation or not answering their door. When another family friend learned that the police had left the home, he decided to take matters into his own hands. He knew something wasn't right, so he entered through an open door. An open door the police had allegedly missed a few hours earlier. And it wouldn't be the only thing they would miss. Hey there, we hope you enjoyed this preview into the episode titled The Hate Family Massacre. You can get the rest of the story and many other detailed packed episodes like this one by checking out Crime Salad wherever you get your podcasts.